This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. On today's program, Dr. Roosh continues in the Championship Secrets series with a message entitled, Born for Such a Time. How are you approaching what you do in life right now? Work, family, friendships, your finances. Can you be trusted with more? Let's join Dr. Nate Rouge right now. The title of today's message is Born for Such a Time. Born for Such a Time. We've been looking at different kind of athletic heroes, champions over time. And today I want to think of somebody that you may or may not have heard of, Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens was an incredible figure that the pinnacle of his track career was at the Berlin 1936 Olympics. But if you go back from there, of course, there's a movie about him called Race that came out in 2015. That's a powerful story that you can see. But you'll see that there's more to Jesse than just that one moment. In Jesse's life, he grew up and uh, he competed in multiple events uh, in high school, became well-known across the country, unbelievable athlete, uh, champion, national champion. He also competed in international competitions. What I want you to consider today, that you and I are not unlike Jesse in that whatever we do, we need to do to our best just like he did. That it's the little things, the daily workouts that lead to the event that makes a difference. And for him, Jesse had worked on his craft long before he got to the big stage. And he continued to work on it throughout. So what do you do when you reach success? What do you do then? What now? Some of you are like, oh, what do you mean? I'm not a successful person. But the reality is, you are successful. Think about it. The job you had, you prayed for at one point. The spouse you may have, you prayed for at one point. The kids you might have, you prayed for. And you forget that this is the resulting that you wanted. You might have a career position that you wanted or got into the school that you wanted to be in. Or the very fact that you made it to church today, you are a success. Come on, somebody. And I think we often think in terms of success as, oh, that's that big person that's on the front page, that's the highlight reel, that everybody's retweeting, or somehow that that's, the, that's what success is. No, we live in successes all the time and we don't even realize it. We've overcome obstacles to get to this day. We've overcome things that we didn't think that we could overcome. And we are in our success. The question is, with whatever you do, whoever you are, whatever season and stage of life that you're in, what do you do with it now? You're like, well, I've reached it. I'm done. Or what do you do moving forward? Ultimately, we need to not just retain what we have, but we need to move forward. And Jesse's story is a lot like that of a person in the Bible named Esther. Why don't you open your Bibles to the book of Esther? Esther is not one person that you hear about all the time. I'm going to give a shout out to all the ladies in the house that often you think they always talk about men in church. It's always the men heroes, right? But the Bible has, is loaded with many women heroes. 
that all of us can learn from. Esther is one of those. She was a young Jewish girl who was living in Persia or Babylon at a time where Persia was flourishing and the Israelites were in exile and King Xerxes was the ruler over Persia and Esther was a young, beautiful, gracious, and kind young lady who the king chose to be his wife. And so now Esther has everything. She's had a husband who loved her. She's the queen. She had everything a queen had had, a beautiful home, a fresh food and anything she wanted to eat. And people waited on her. She had, in a sense, made it for a Jewish woman living in that time period. Now, of course, along the way, she's got this character, this friend, this cousin named Mordecai that you'll see in the book of Esther. I can't preach the whole book today, so I'm going to give you a little bit of backdrop to the storyline. Mordecai stayed in touch with her throughout her track from anonymity to the throne. Mordecai kept her rooted with her identity and purpose because she was called to be something more than just a role model. There's a moment later in Esther's story that Mordecai would send her a message because there was danger in the air and she was already in the throne and now God wanted to get a hold of her attention that there's more to do in your success. In Esther 4.14, it says, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. In other words, you're in your moment, but maybe there's something else going on in your moment. Maybe there's another storyline that you're, you're gonna catch up to that you were born for this. So Esther, in her story, she ends up saving the people of Israel from destruction and genocide. But Esther and Jesse Owens have mirrored stories in many ways. And I wanna give you some championship secrets from Esther and Jesse this morning. The first one is this. Steward success in a way that produces more success. Steward success in a way that produces more success. Champions know this, that once they win a championship, they wanna keep winning more. That they continue their habits, they don't stop. They don't become dwarfed in their progress. They continue to move forward. In Esther 2.17, it says, and the king loved Esther more than any of the other young women. And he was so delighted with her that he set the royal crown on her head and declared her queen instead of Vashti. Now this is a little bit like watching a weekly episode where they say, previously on Esther. <laughs> Something's going on in the story, right? There's another person named Vashti. And if you were to see the outtakes from it, you know, Vashti's walking off and she's cursing Esther. I'm more pretty than she is. Why did she get picked and not me? You know, so Vashti's leaving the stage and Esther is picked. Now, the king can pick anybody he wants. And there's a lot of beautiful people in the land and people with a lot of intelligence in the land. So somewhere along the way, Esther gets picked, but she had done something before that moment. She had taken care of herself. Now, many people say, well, she's very beautiful, but that wasn't the extent of it. Now, to be beautiful and retain her beauty, she had to do certain things. She had to watch her nutrition. She had to watch her workout. She had to work with this up here, and work the thing, you know, and whatever it is that happens in that room, bathroom in front of the mirror. And she had to, she had to work it, okay? But... She also, this is not a story in Esther of physical outward beauty. It's a really about inward character and something that was happening inside. She had to be intelligent. 
She had to, she made it through the Miss Universe pageant, but she wasn't just a beauty. She had more to her in her story, and she had favor on her life because she did her part. And when we do our part, God does his part. I want you to think about it. For her, she did the natural, but God did the supernatural. In all of our lives, we need to do our thing in the natural to the best we can so that when it's time, the supernatural takes its places, favor takes its places we couldn't take ourselves. You do your part, God does his part. What happens if you don't do your part? What does God have to work with? And so you and I have to work together. We have to know. Don't just wait for the, to win the lottery. Show up to work. I hope everybody does the basic little things, the brushing your teeth in the morning. I hope the people next to you brush their teeth today. She did her part, and God did his. Now, Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 16. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? I don't know, that seems pretty clear to me. The way the kingdom of God works, we are to steward what we have, and that determines whether or not we get more. And we steward in a way that God wants to give us more. How are you approaching what you do in life right now? How are you approaching your job? Are you approaching it in a way that you are stewarding success that will yield more success? Or are you holding on to what you already have? Are you still coming on time? Are you putting extra effort in? Are you looking sharp? Are you positive? Are you hanging out with the grumpy people in the cafeteria, moaning about the boss? What about in your marriage or in your family life? Are you showing up thankful for what God has given you, not moaning about how hard it is with toddlers? And they can be tough, right? Just wait till they're teenagers. I think with school, some of you are students, you show up at the beginning of the year, I'm gonna get all A's. Two weeks later, I'm okay with B's. <laughs> Three weeks later, C's, I can get away with it with my parents. I still can keep my scholarship. How are you stewarding what you have so that you're given more? A dream doesn't become reality through magic. It takes sweat, determination, and hard work. Champions can be trusted with more. You know, your unremarkable habits, the things that nobody really thinks anything of, turn a team into a remarkably performing team. It's the unremarkable daily things that turn into the remarkable public things. Secondly, second championship secret. Success is a platform for a larger purpose. Success is a platform for a larger purpose. It's not a mistake when you step into the new. God has a larger strategy than we're aware of. Even seemingly odd jobs can be a setup for things that we cannot see. Esther's purpose didn't end with becoming a queen. God was preparing to use her to bring salvation to her people. There was a larger purpose to her story. Jesse Owens' athletic career brought great accolades, 
but there was a larger purpose on the horizon that would impact people in different ways. It was lonely. Not everyone else saw the purpose in what they were doing, but they had to see the larger purpose. You aren't in your career just to be in that, 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 that business that you lead or that, that department that you're involved with or that idea that you have isn't just so that you can get a paycheck so you can go on vacations and have a good quality of life. There is a design to you that God planted in you when you were in your mother's womb, a destiny. And that destiny has a purpose of more than just of being about you. Third, success requires staying on mission. Success requires staying on mission. Esther could have forgotten who she was with all of the royal benefits of being the queen. She could have reached that point where she felt like, I lost it. Some people are blinded by their blessings. The more stuff you have, the more difficult it is to remember why you have it and what you're to do with it. Don't be blinded by the blessings or be blinded by the struggle. And by the way, in our culture, I was reading a book this week called David and Goliath. There's a book on on, on giants that you didn't think would be giants and how you bring them down in your life. And one of the terms in there was relative deprivation. Relative deprivation is when people compare themselves to others and feel inadequate. When they compare themselves to others and they feel inadequate. The suicide rates in happy countries is higher than unhappy countries, according to the researchers. Because in happy countries, everyone feels less than others. Isn't that interesting? So you can end a day feeling good about yourself, go on social media, see somebody else's life who's in Cancun on the beach right now, and all of a sudden your life stinks. <laughs> Tell me that hasn't happened to some people. I wish maybe my life isn't, and it's that deprivation in relationship to others. We feel like something is missing. No matter where you go, when we hit the spot of relative deprivation, we lose our sense of mission. We give up, we pull back, we don't put as much into who or what we should do. So comparison becomes a demon. Are you hearing what I'm saying right now? When you get in the middle of the story of your life, the family that you're in, the neighborhood, the school that you go to, the people that you interact with, it could be in the middle of the story. You might be on mission, coming out of church on fire, praying up, ready to go change the world, and then you put your social media on. And all of a sudden, Monday morning comes, you forget who you are, you lose your mission, your focus, and all of a sudden, you're out of it. Church, you don't get your mission from the world around you. You get your mission from the creator who planted it in you in the first place. Stay on mission. Trust God in suffering and enthrone him in success. It's both of them. It's staying on mission. I know this to be true with comparison. It happens to pastors. Pastors come out of church. They had a good service. Souls were saved. God's doing a great thing. And then they go on social media. And they see a pastor who, well, I had 150 people say in my church, record attendance, we're open to new services, but you could, you could go down the list of somebody else's stuff and I was like, maybe I'm not a good pastor, but I got to stay on mission. Can I get an amen? amen? 
I can't get caught up in comparison, especially with other people that are believers. And other churches, I want every church to succeed in town. There's plenty of people not in church this morning. Let's cheer on what God is doing in other places. Yeah. Now, success also brought enemies who would challenge the mission. And there was a man named Haman in the land who was filled with hatred for the Jews and especially for Mordecai, Esther's cousin. And this guy had a way to influence the king through his money, there was corruption, to kill all the Jews. He had racism that would become genocide on his heart. In Esther chapter three, verse eight, take a look at this. So then Haman approached King Xerxes and said, there's a certain race of people scattered through all the provinces of your empire who keep themselves separate from everyone else. Their laws are different from those of any other people. They refuse to obey the laws of the king and so it is not in the king's interest to let them live. If you please the king, issue a decree that they may be destroyed. And I will give 10,000 large sacks of silver to the government administrators to be deposited in the royal treasury. Now this is going on, corruption is taking place. You ever feel like the odds are stacked against you? That the people around you aren't playing by the same rules? You're trying to live right, live holy, and somebody else is doing other stuff and they still got success? This, is, this could have been the case. Mordecai is aware of this challenge and it's gonna kill the people of the Jewish people. And so he sends a letter, a note to Esther. And this was his reply to Esther in Esther 4, chapter four, verse 13. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. So now the context for that verse that we read at the beginning of my message becomes more clear. It wasn't that she was just supposed to be a star. You were born for such a time as this. We got a diva culture right now, right? How many people liked my photo, you know, and how many followers do I have, and how many people notice what I'm doing? It wasn't about Esther being noticed. Really, Mordecai was saying, listen, the whole reason that you're in the spot that you're in is you're the only person cl close enough to the king to save millions of people's lives. You're the only one that can get into that space, and if you don't, we're all gonna die and so are you and your family. But if you do step up at this moment, something good is going to happen. Mordecai, in a sense, was keeping her on mission. How many of you have a friend or a family member that keeps you honest about who you are and where you're supposed to be? Well, Esther responds to Mordecai. She, she hears the message and she decides, I'm gonna do something about this in verse 15. So then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night and day. My maids and I will do the same. And then though it is against the law, 
I will go in to see the king. And if I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. This is a profound moment. For if she were to go into the king, it was, it was against the law. He could have said, you're dead. He could have rejected what she was. So before she's going to do it, she's going to do some praying. And then she's going to ask all her friends and all her friends' friends and all the people she doesn't even care who they are, start praying for me. Fast and pray for me. Why? Because the moment it's coming, I need fasting and prayer to have a breakthrough from me. This whole purpose thing that I've got in my life, I can't do it alone. I need supernatural power to help me do this thing. I want to ask you a question. Where you are right now in your season and stage of life, I don't care if you're retired or you're in middle school or high school or college or you're in your career or you just became an empty nester, whatever it is. When was the last time you fasted and prayed about the purpose for the season you're in? Where you said, I need God to break through for me. I need his help for me as a mom for these little kids. Before I kill him. <laughs> I, need, I need help in my career. I need to pray. When was the last time you reached out to friends around you and said, would you fast and pray for me for this thing I've got going on in my story? Friends, I'm telling you, we live too much in the natural side and not enough in the supernatural side. You do the natural, but you need the supernatural to back you up. It's not a mistake where you are, but you need some help for a breakthrough. Number four, championship secret. Leverage your success for the benefit of others. Leverage your success for the benefit of others. So Esther now has her moment. She's fasted and prayed. And now it's her time to go talk to the king because if she doesn't, all the Jews are gonna be killed. There's genocide on the horizon. And in verse five of Esther chapter eight, it says, Esther said, if it pleased the king, and if I have found favor with them, and if he thinks it is right, and if I am pleasing to him, let there be a decree that reverses the orders of Haman, son of Hamadethia, the Agagite, who ordered that Jews throughout all the king's provinces should be destroyed. For how can I endure to see my people and my family slaughtered and destroyed? The time had come. And it always comes in our stories. When we utilize our platform, our authority, our status, our finances for the larger mission. We utilize it for the larger mission, the time had come. Did you know generosity should not be guilt-driven? It should be eternity-driven. And we need to stay available, ready to do what the king needs us to do at the right time. Friends, I'm telling you, the corner is turned and Esther steps up to the plate. Now the good news is, the king had favor. The good news is the Jews were saved. The good news is God took that Haman and his murderous heart and he ended up being the one that hung on the gallows that were built for Mordecai. Haman, this evil 
person that seemed like he had all the control and manipulative factors with the king, this person in our lives, the people that we can't control and see, seemingly they're having their way. You know, even in America as a Christian in the last 20 years, it can feel like many of the laws have reduced the biblical values in our culture and almost made Christians criminals in some respects. We can feel like Haman's winning the day, but friends, I'm telling you, if we follow the champion way, God will take care of our enemies. God will take care of those who are against us. He'll take care of them. We gotta do our part. Come on, somebody. We gotta do our part. We just need to stay available. In the end, Esther rescued her people. But I would take you back to Jesse. Jesse Owens was called by his country to go compete in the 1936 Olympics. And Owens and 311 other American athletes, including 17 African Americans, traveled to Nazi Germany to represent the United States. Now there was a lot of political pressure on all these athletes. Don't go there. Don't compete. And there was the prospect of death once they got there. Who knows what was going to happen? Hitler had created this entire uh, culture and governmental system around the Aryan race. And he was beginning to systematically kill anyone that wasn't a part of the Aryan race. He flat out was taking over nations. And here the Olympics are held in Berlin. And it was supposed to be a platform for all of the German successes. And Jesse, if he was going to go there, he didn't know if he'd come back alive. He dealt with racial slams and mistreatment, but still he went. He went on and he competed in those Olympics and he won not one, not two, not three, but four gold medals that year. And he went up on the platform in front of Hitler, bowed his head on the top of the stand and the gold medal went. And everything that Jesse was, was everything that Hitler resented. And Jesse shows us that champions aren't done even after they're great. He had earlier seasons of greatness, but he realized that he needed to keep moving. He made a huge statement to the world because he chose to go to Berlin and compete. He stayed on mission throughout. And with all of the talk and the tug and the pull of people saying you should go or shouldn't go, Jesse ignored the talk of Aryan superiority, and he said, I want to be no part of politics. I wasn't in Berlin to compete against any one athlete. The purpose of the Olympics anyway was to do your best. Your job is to embrace the calling that God gives you, the stations that you're in, utilize those stations for the success of others, and be ready for what God wants to do. But he's weaving everything together for the good. He's watching over, and he will do his thing. If you trust him, he's faithful. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. Please be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time.